we have the three weeks of Christmas. We get a Christmas story this week, next week, and the week following. And so it'll be a, a good thing. Let's start with prayer. Well, Father God, we are so grateful for this season where it's more than just the, the lights and the, the things going on that the world thinks of, but it's the time where we celebrate the Christ child, God himself putting on flesh for us that he might be amongst us and then in us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, twas the week before Christmas, and all the, through the church, the gospel was missing, and for it we search. The Christmas story with Santa and sleigh replaces the baby on a bed made of hay. Brightly wrapped presents for him and for her overshadow true gifts gold frankincense and myrrh. From near and from far, from family to the table, it blurs our remembrance of a cold, lonely stable. This year as we ponder the old Christmas story, let's remember the end is a cross that's quite gory. Christmas is a time to recognize God's love, make eternity God's gift with him up above. All right, now somebody put music to that and we'll have a song. We have Advent, and we celebrate the Advent with, with the candles. We are so not liturgical, it is just funny. And yet we do some things just because it gives us an opportunity to think about this. The Advent, the first time. This is the first time for many things. And so as we celebrate the Advent, it's really advantageous for us to remember the things and the points and, and how it works up to the, the birth of Jesus. And it started like a long time ago because in Isaiah chapter 7, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. A sign will be given to you. Not a hint. This is a sign. This is a, man, you cannot miss this. This is so incredibly obvious that it will, will be proof to you. Because there is one and only one virgin birth that has ever happened or will ever happen. And it's a, a, a miracle foretold and then accomplished so that we would know that there was only one that could possibly be the Messiah. So if you find the one who is born of a virgin, you know that one is the Messiah. Jesus himself. Emmanuel. God with us. Come down from heaven to be a part of us. Can you fathom this? The creator God of the universe putting on flesh? Well, of course you can't. It, it, it's not fathomable. It, it, is, it is crazy to think about just how great of a thing it is for God without end to put on flesh for us. And when he did so, he took on some of the characteristics of human beings. What a crazy thing for this. Now, Jesus also tells, uh, um, Jesus put on flesh, but Paul tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't he? And just as Jesus put on flesh and got characteristics of humans and not the sin nature, Jesus didn't take on the sin nature of human beings because that is passed down through the Father and he didn't have an earthly father. And that's the reason for it. The virgin birth kept that sin 
from coming down through Jesus as well. And so when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we cover ourselves with the nature of Jesus. And we know the nature of Jesus because he has shown us through his life on earth. And so for Jesus, he put on weakness, but we put on strength. He put on bondage, but we put on freedom. He put on pain, but we put on healing. He put on lowliness, but we put on esteem. And he put on death, but we put on life. But let me ask you, when does the Christmas story begin? Some people say it started all the way back in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve, they're hiding from God because they've recognized that they've sinned and they're ashamed and they're trying to, to hide from, from God. And the prophecy is given that enmity would be given between the woman and the serpent, between her seed and the serpent's seed, and that though the serpent would bruise the heel of the Messiah, that Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. A temporary death compared to eternal destruction. Even though, there though, is that really the beginning? Because we know that this plan of salvation, this plan of God for mankind started way back before then because Paul tells us that before the foundation of the world, the plan for salvation was thought of by God. It wasn't that we came upon the earth and then we fell as human beings and then God said, well, what are we going to do now? God already knew. And he knew that by creating us in the image of God, it was going to give us the opportunity to be sovereign in our own life, at least while we live. And so because of that, sinfulness overtakes man. And because sinfulness overtakes man, it needed something, someone to come and bring salvation for us. And so the plan of Messiah was before the foundation of the world. So God planned it. He prophesied of it a ton. I mean, 108 times God tells us about the coming of Messiah. And then he produced it in a baby boy. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 1, the very first of the New Testament, and see what it has to say. Well, first of all, in Matthew chapter 1, there are 17 verses that if you ever read through it once, the chances are you have not read that genealogy a second time. Because you're like, uh, what? Who cares? Well, the Jewish people cared because it was a requirement for Jesus the Messiah to have come from the lineage of David and then from Judah and all those things. And so it was evidence of that. So let's begin with verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. 
And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So we look and we see the story of Jesus coming, but it seems to me something's out of place here. This isn't the first thing that happened in this story, is it? Chronologically, didn't the angel come and visit Mary before this? And yet, the Gospel of Matthew doesn't even bring up the story of, of Mary and the angels. And why is that? It's not that the story of Mary was unknown. Everybody in Nazareth knew about this. Everybody knew about the woman who was pregnant before being married. And so people knew about it. It just didn't have any relevance. No validation with that story until Joseph corroborated it. See, a woman in this condition, being pregnant before wedlock, could have been taken out and stoned. And that's why Joseph, because he loved her, wanted to send her away so that wouldn't happen to her. Some place where people didn't know the story. Because again, everybody in Nazareth knew about this. So the evidence seems clear. She's pregnant. She's not married. So it, it seems pretty clear that the evidence condemns her. And Mary cannot even testify for herself in this. Understand that at this time in history, it took two witness accounts of women to equal that of a man. It was only half as good. In fact, if two women were testifying against one man, the man would win the tie. And so women had less than half of the, the power of testimony as the guys did. And so Matthew is writing to the Jewish people in a way that makes sense to their culture. It's not what God says about women, but it's what evil men brought into the culture. And so Joseph is dealing with that. And of course, we see Jesus deal with it a lot as the Gospels tell us. So let's look at this other story, and it's found in Luke chapter 1. And it says, Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also... The holy child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called infertile is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. After all these years... 430 years since the last time God spoke 
to people. The last prophecy of the Old Testament, 430 years. And now we have, well, the first time was when the angel spoke to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. Remember, he's in the temple and he's serving, and the angel comes and says, you're going to have a son because Elizabeth is going to get pregnant. And he laughed, and, and so the angel made him mute until she gave birth, and he named the, the boy John. Well, six months later, we see the second time in 430 years, and it's when the angel visits Mary. How crazy is this? I mean, how special of a time would this be to have an angel come and speak to you? And how special she is with this. She's not deity. She was not born of a virgin. There is only one that has ever been born of a virgin, but blessed nonetheless. And no one else has ever experienced the joy that she had or the tragedy, the wonder or the doubt. And so now, 700 years since the prophecy of Isaiah, we see things are set into motion. What seemed like it would never happen has happened and will happen. There's no holding back now, no slowing down. In nine months, this is going to happen. Ready or not, here he comes, Christmas Day. And the angel is very specific with this. Not only does he give information and reassurance, but he also gives instruction. Now this, 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 and this is going to happen, and then you need to do that. And then he spells out Isaiah chapter 7. Now the rabbis at this time, they loved teaching about the coming of Messiah. It was one of the favorite topics back then, kind of like it is now. But it was because people were looking for Messiah to come and deliver them from the Roman occupation. And so people were looking forward to this time where Messiah came, kicked them out of there, and set up his eternal kingdom. And so it was a great story. It was a great message. It was a great sermon series on the coming of Messiah. So did those teachers, did they teach from Isaiah chapter 7? Well, probably so. And so the men were waiting for Messiah to be born among them, but the women were, were hoping for Messiah to be born from them. They looked, God, will it be me? Can, can I be the one? I would love to be the one with the honor to bring forth Messiah. And Mary has given up on, on that thought because she has become betrothed to Joseph. And it's a virgin that gives birth and not someone who is married. It's not a young lady, like some people say, but as Mary said, I, I've never laid with any, any man. So a virgin, as we would think of a virgin. And so we see miracle after miracle begin to happen. And this couple, they're looking forward with hope, but also with trepidation. They have certainty, but help my unbelief. Can you imagine being these people? And we need to understand that these two people were human and had the same human emotions that we would the same fears that we might have. And even though the angel has spoken to them, it's still, you know, how? What, what's going to happen with this? And Mary and Joseph will both be under attack by those who claim to be following after the word, after the law. And yet they don't know what the scripture has to say prophetically. And so this couple, 
And their uncertainty may be saying, why, Lord, why this way, Lord? Why must we be rejected by our friends, by society, by our own family? More of that in two weeks. Why? Why this way? And it was difficult for them. And then, I mean, can you just imagine Joseph coming home to Mary? She's nine months pregnant. And he says to her, so we, we need to take a little trip. I mean, a little trip is Walmart, right? And so, well, where are we going, dear? Uh, Bethlehem. 90 miles away, uphill, really, uphill. Not, not both ways, just, just the one way. Now, no one has ever seen when a woman has given that look. Because just a glance of it, just the beginning of it, causes us to, to turn away in, in fear. We, we don't want to see that at all. But you know Mary was giving that look at this time, right? Her humanity definitely showing. This is one of those times that might cause them to say, why? Isn't this hard enough? Nine months pregnant, really. All I want to do is be at home with my feet up. How could Mary and Joseph understand this when it took the scribes to be able to explain to Herod what the prophecy said about Messiah being born in Bethlehem? See, this isn't something that they were being taught from Scripture. The preachers of the day weren't being faithful to teach the whole Word of God, and so they didn't know about this because if they did, maybe they would have made their way to Bethlehem without Herod having to say, hey, going to take a census y'all have to go to your hometown well it's what the word of god says and the word of god is set in stone and it will never fail understand that the wedding feast was the most important of all secular celebrations it was a week long and people just came in and rejoiced with the couple because of the joy of the possibilities the hope of a bright future that they were going to have together and this is all forfeit in order to answer the call of God to be pregnant out of wedlock. And the anticipation of the fiancé of joining with his wife for the first time, well, it's complicated. The plan of God is going to cost them. But the promises of God make it so that we can endure so that they would understand, because in conjunction with the prophecies earlier, we see what the angels have said at this time. To Joseph, he promised that she will give birth. It will be a son. You shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua, Jehovah is salvation. That's his name. The words of the prophet would be fulfilled. It will be the birth of a son. They shall call him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And for Mary, Gabriel said, you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb. You will give birth to a son. You need to name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And 
the holy child will be called the son of god these things promised 700 years ago are being fulfilled at this time god is a promise keeper and if he kept those promises from 700 years ago will he complete the promises that he's given to me today and the answer is yes absolutely so when they have these doubts they can go to what the Word of God says what God has spoken to them and it's exactly what we need to do when we have fear when we have concern when we have doubt we can go to what God has told us as well and people recognize much the, the struggles that Mary had and she had a lot didn't she but we need to think about the struggles that Joseph had also the wedding night was a most special time for him and its forfeit his name which is of great importance to him will be slandered he will never be given the place of honor in society because of this situation and if you're not a man these things might seem trivial to you but the way that we're wired makes having respect one of the most important things in our lives so wives understand that about your husband and it's why duels were a thing back in the past. If, if their honor was disrespected, then they would have a duel. Well, Joseph has lost respect of friends, of family, and of society. Society now scoffs him, ridicules him, mocks him, no longer has respect for him. And at least before the dream he had lost the respect of the one who had declared her love for him because she has disrespected him by becoming pregnant. How could she do this to me? Can you imagine what was going through Joseph's mind as this was unfolding? But this child is the one spoken of by Isaiah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one born of a virgin, which is a plan only God could conceive. God has come and put on flesh. He has come with a purpose. The angel declares to him, God is salvation. He is the one who is God's tool for salvation because he will come to save his people from their sins. The first chapter of the first book in the New Testament and we see twice that he came to save his people from their sins we see also that he is God we see the deity of Jesus in this as well and so we see exactly why Jesus came not for world peace not for warm fuzzy not for whatever purpose a lot of people will say Jesus came but to save his people from their sin and some of those other things are a byproduct of being saved with him being with us but it's to reconcile us we who were separated from God because of sin Jesus came in and that sin that was between us and God he became that sin and then destroyed it on the cross so that it wouldn't exist anymore and so that through Jesus we might have access to Jesus as well there's no substitution there is no reconciliation 
with anyone, with anything but Jesus. And so we see Matthew declaring the purpose for him coming, declaring that he is the Son of God. Remember when Jesus claimed to be the Son of God? What did the people do? They picked up stones to stone him to death because he claimed to be God. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus didn't claim to be God. Don't let anybody tell you that God didn't declare Jesus to be the Son of God. So either Jesus lied and can't be our substitute, can't be our sacrifice, or he is not worthy to be our sacrifice. Because just a man, that isn't worthy of being that substitution for us. He is indeed deity. So as we peer at this lowly, helpless babe, we should also remember the Jesus who is going to the cross. He was not helpless. He could have called 12 legions of angels to come and deliver him. But he chose to deliver us instead. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. And so Christmas time, where everything looks new, fresh, peaceful, where we have hope, where we have peace, except for the stress. It's a call for us to have that walk with Christ. It's a call for us to remember what really happened and the purpose of Christmas so they might come to save his people from our sin. So as wonderful as Christmas is to the non-believer with all the things that go on with it, all the trappings and things, we who understand need to understand, as Paul said, that through one man, Adam, sin came into the world, but that through one man, Jesus, righteousness came into the world. It's what replaces that unrighteousness in us. It is the gift of God for Christmas. Did we receive that gift? Or is it still under the tree? And by the tree, I mean the cross. That gift is there for us. It's got our name on it, your name on it, personally, on that package. And so, will you receive that forgiveness of your sin? I mean, if you have not received Jesus as your, your Savior, if you haven't understood what it is that, that he came for, what a perfect time of year for us to accept Christ, to make him our Lord, because that is who he is, God with us. And he is worthy of every part of worship and honor that the Father has. It is a gift that does not wear out, and it's offered to you today. So receive it and walk with it. And be thankful as you remember the King of glory lying in a manger. Let's pray. Well, Father, we are so grateful that you sent your Son. We know it's because you had love for the whole entire world so that whosoever would believe would have eternal life with you. Only through Jesus, our substitute, our door, our way, may we come to the Father. And so, God, I pray that anyone watching today that has not made you their Savior would access you through Jesus Christ. May we remember throughout the distress, throughout the other things going on through this time, may we remember 
not just the manger, but the cross as well. We give you thanks for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have an awesome week. That's a picture of a manger that I took uh, when I was in Israel. That's the food trough right there.